I'm Renee Ritchie, and I'm a tech analyst. And I'm Georgia Dow, and I'm a psychotherapist. And welcome to Apple Talk, the podcast where psychology meets technology, and we talk about how Apple and Google and Amazon. Maybe and Facebook. Facebook, sure, throw Microsoft in. They're all the big tech companies, how they affect our culture and our lives. And I figured it's the end of 2020. It's the season finale of 2020. Thank Please God. no post-credit scene. <laughs> I cannot deal with a post-credit scene end for on 2020. A no, no cliffhanger. Uh, but I figured we'd look back for the Apple topic. We would just look back at how they navigated 2020 and sort of how we navigated it. Sounds good. Because it started off, I think it started off as a normal year. It's so long ago and so recent. It's like this huge time dilation. I know. It, it is almost like um, there's like pre-pandemic, post-pandemic But I don't remember when it started. I do. I do. What's your earliest? I remember it. Like, I feel March, but I feel like it started before March. It, for me, it was March. Like, it was March. We were planning to go to New York. Okay. And, uh, we did, did we? We did, we did go. We, we went, And it was I just think. the beginning. Like, they were, like, saying, like, oh, there's this thing, and no one was really serious about it. So we're like, oh, let's still go. We'll bring yeah. tons of hand sanitizer and spray. Um, but we still went to New York. Yeah. Yeah. Which was one of the first places that hit. Yeah. And um, that was the beginning. And then when we got back, like, it there was, was pretty much everything was slowly shutting down. There's rumors that it was at CES. Like I don't think any will ever know for sure, but there was rumors that there it was at CES in January. January and a lot of the is what they say, yeah. Post CES plague that people got might have been COVID, but it, we they didn't really test for it back then, so we don't know. We don't know. Yeah. So it probably started in January, but when we really heard about it was in March. Yeah. And so um, Apple pre and post, what are your thoughts? Well, so it's interesting because the Apple doesn't always do a March event. They no. mostly, they mostly come out at night, mostly. mostly. They mostly do a March event, mostly. And rumor was they were gonna do a March event this year and that was gonna be similar to 2016 when they had the iPhone SE, the 9.7 inch iPad Pro, and I forget what the other thing was that year, but I think there was a third thing. But anyways, they were gonna do a, a new iPhone SE a new-ish iPad Pro, and I think there was a third thing this year too, but honestly, I'm in like the middle of Tenet. I'm not going forward nor backwards in time. I'm kind of just spinning in a time circle. But instead, there was no event, like no invitations, and we started hearing rumors that Apple couldn't do their usual travel to, the, to, to China to start working on the prototypes for later, like for the iPhone and stuff later right, in the year. Right, right, which kind of slowed them down. Now we can go back and say, Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. But it's interesting. So Apple instead did like drop press releases for the iPhone SE, the iPad Pro 2020, which was the same as the 2018 one, but just with eight active cores, graphics cores instead of seven, a LiDAR scanner. And that was about it. And the Magic Keyboard. And the Magic Keyboard. Yeah, which was awesome. Was it in, but it wasn't enough to tempt you away from the MacBook to the iPad. No, no, though, though I, I do look at my husband who has it, and it is pretty amazing. Like, yeah. now I think that they're, they're quite comparable, and if I had to switch over, I might actually enjoy it, um, but not, not yet. How is it for you, Renee, with the change in there's no March event, and then you get these press releases? How is you for someone that writes about and video does all the podcasts so was, about Apple. It was good and bad. Like I missed seeing everybody because right. there's nothing that can replace just the networking that goes on. Yeah. Like when you're at an Apple event, like you see everything that happens on on the stage, but also then you go to the hands-on area 
and you know a lot of the people there. Like I know a lot of the other media people, like Marquez would be there and Gruber would be there and Joanna Stern and, uh, you know, just so many people and you can like bounce ideas off of them. Right. But also all the product marketing people from Apple are there and they're just answering questions that come up. And yes, you do briefings, but those are much like, those are over like WebEx or Zoom or something. And there's only a few minutes and there's not just the back and forth banter. Yes. That you get. So I find like I learned, it took me a lot longer to learn about the products than usual. Right. There's much less hands-on and you don't get to kind of connect yeah. with other people and discuss different things. Yeah. And also, you know, you get together and you meet with other people that are in the same sphere. So you also form all of these yes. personal connections that get lost among the way. But it must be easier. You don't have to travel. Yeah. Well, also like Jim Dalrymple and Matthew Panzerino are the worst Uber drivers. Like the absolute worst like zero star rating, but you have to go with them because if you say no, they just end you. <laughs> but the other I'm thing that's weird people. is <laughs> the travel, like I don't miss the not traveling because for me, it's a seven hour flight. And right. plus you have to leave to go to the airport, go through the airport customs. Well, on plus both sides. you have to pack like so much stuff to make sure that you have battery power. You I have don't though, plugs. I go with my iPhone. Do you that's go the with thing your that iPhone I've only now? ever gone with my iPhone oh. so far. But it's still like the travel takes so long and then being at the event takes a long time. So I actually can produce more video or write more articles when I'm not going to the event, which is so like the So you're more productive without it. I'm more productive based on less information. <laughs> more stuff, less quality. Yeah. Well, right. I mean, like I have to like, at the beginning I was taking a long time because I was going and like chatting with people and trying to find out all this stuff. And I noticed like a bunch of other YouTubers were like, like three minutes before the event ended, they had their first video up and I'm like, how? How? Father Morel, how? And um, I, I just didn't, and I still can't do that, but I, I have gotten to the point where I can sort of figure out what I want to say about it. Right. But it is different right. because then I'd have to like finish the event, leave the hands-on area, go find some place at Apple Park to talk, right. usually like one of the areas and like The Verge is doing their video. Make and, sure you have a connection, enough speed. Yeah, and Wi-Fi. film something and the voiceover is not going to be as good and depending on the quality of the hands-on and did I get everything. And because I was doing it alone the last couple of times, people were like, you're not even in the videos. How do I even know it's you? And I'm like, I'm the one shooting the video. Video. And then I realized that they needed proof of life. And then how do I get this proof of life? Right, right. That just... Which is also a huge difference between doing this independently yeah. versus having a team with you that they're yes. shooting the video, they're going to help you. Or just being it. like Marquez, who has 10 years of experience doing that. I got to just steal more from Marquez. Just got to watch it. him. Watch him how he does That's all that. It. That's it. Now he has like the robot the dog cam- that shoots it for him. I don't know if they let that into Apple Campus. Oh, that'd be so mm-hmm. cool. Mm-hmm. I would just have it walk with me everywhere. You would. I would. Luckily for the rest of us, the battery life isn't long enough. Oh, I would, I would bring something so I could Hold charge please. it back up. Hold, please. That would be the best. So, and it was kind of like, it wasn't a full event. Like Apple didn't do an event. They did have a video with Craig Federighi demonstrating the cursor support and the magic keyboard. And they said that they had like, like one-on-one person, like you could make, that, was that for the that time that you could actually? No. No, okay, no that was just later. like, they just put out the, and they didn't even show the video anywhere. They just gave it to some people in the media and they had huh. one with like developers showing the AR capabilities of LiDAR and they had one of the um, iPhone SE. And that was just not a lot of visual information from Apple and not a lot of like reference material you could go back to. Right, not a lot of stuff you could work no. on. Um, so I feel like that was a like an ignominious start to the, to, yes. But then WWDC rolled around. It was a few weeks late, but they announced it early. And wow, did they, I think, overachieve. 
Like the presentation was amazing, like with the all the camera angles. Was and... Amazing. Well, also the movement of the cameras. Yes. Like, like you really felt like you were there. I got some butterflies every once in a while. Like drone shot, it pan, warp, zoom, transition. Done. And the, and it wasn't just that because they had all the sessions and they had all the people from WWC, the engineers that were presenting, like uh, mutual friend Ali Kazmuha did her session on game uh, on. Uh, I'm blanking on a game center, uh, which is what she's been working on for the last year or so. They do it all in secret, so we don't know what they're working on until we actually see them uh, do their presentation. And she like had her little Dodge, her little dog, on the side of the desk. Aww. And Sonny Caldwell, she actually did she did narr- uh, the catch up videos every day. There was a new Animoji Sonny Caldwell telling us the highlights so from the cute. previous day. So cute. So the so like seeing our friends as part of the show was ridiculous. Oh, it's just so nice. But how is that, like, developers are used to going and sitting in an auditorium and having the sessions presented to them. And especially the labs, they're used to going into these labs and yeah. sitting down and talking to the engineers and going over the devices and the code together. What is it like when you suddenly have to do that intermediated by a screen? It, you, you lose some of that connection. You lose that ability to be able to connect more, to be able to be hands-on, to try it out, to be able to ask questions. and you have much more time to be able to deal with it. So now what happens when you get a limited amount of facts that come to you is usually our brains naturally, like if you see an object that looks kind of like a triangle, like it's just four triangle bits, we fill it in as a triangle in our mind. So whenever we have a whole bunch of sets of things that look like our facts, but there's pieces missing, we try to fill them in. So it ends up with us not having as much information to that. And we might be filling in the facts to what we think it is versus what it actually is. That's why I spell so badly is because my brain auto-corrects it as I'm reading. spell badly. I spell terribly and my brain doesn't help me because it's like, oh, pattern recognition. I know the first and the last letter, I'll just fill in there. I don't think my spelling has gotten better since there's spell check now, which now does it for me. So I think my spelling might have gotten worse, which I don't know if that's possible. I just say, yo, Siri, how do you spell that? And it tells me and I write it down. See, I just type it and then I just choose whatever it's chosen for me, I never has it. Always says there's no word that exists anything like what you typed, and I'm like, it's obvious to me what it's supposed to be. <laughs> it might be your typing skills that are worse. No, than... my pattern recognition is better than series. But you did the <laughs> same thing, right? Like you moved from seeing uh, clients in person yeah. for therapy to seeing them over screens too. Yeah, yeah, and uh, the connection is different. It was, uh, it's one of these strange things that when you can connect to people, I think that that. Um, you bond faster versus when it's you know a little bit more removed it doesn't seem as real and i think that that connection takes a little bit longer i think that i'm i think that for video i'm very expressive naturally mm-hmm. so i don't i think that people already know who i am and that makes it easier You're this for close me. to being an anime character yeah and that's <laughs> just who i am and so i think that that helps in this format so i think i do relatively well over video versus in person but it's still better over person yeah. i get people a coffee we can sit down it's much more relaxed i'm we're in a comfortable space where we're both there and they can read all of my body language plus you know there's screens with stuff that's popping up or yes. there's stuff like so there's all of these other pieces they or could the be doorbell rings they, they might could be, be playing, playing Galaga. Ga- I'm, I'm actually You thought we couldn't sure tell you were playing, playing Galaga, Galaga, but we could tell you were I playing knew, Galaga. I knew you were playing <laughs> Galaga. And um, it's an Avengers reference. Yeah. Um, Which is like, I don't know, 15 years old now, but I don't know, it's like eight no, years, like eight years old. That. I think that it's like eight years old. That caused a mild heart I know. attack. I know, I know, I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. 
Anyways, yep. so I think that that makes a big difference yeah. in, in that connection and, and in feeling that you understand something. And for a lot of people, it's a lot of fun to be able to travel and meet people and there's all these parties and you get to enjoy and yeah, you're are. part of this little niche group where you feel very specialized just to be invited, let's be honest. Everyone's very excited just to get... Like, you know, not if you've been but invited But it is more accessible this way. Like, people who aren't but now normally... everyone, yeah, everyone gets the same go, amount yeah. of information. There's not this elite group that gets to be invited and go. Though. I mean, but it's not even like the elite group. Like, it was it expensive. Was it was expensive for people to go. So there was, an, there was an economic accessibility issue as well. That is true. Yeah. Like, not just the media, but like for developers. Yeah. Uh, they and you can't say... Can you, can you say how much, how much is it? For like the developer tickets, they're, they're public. I think it's like a couple thousand bucks for the ticket and then it's probably a thousand bucks for the hotel. And then you've got to, you have food while you're there. And if you go Jesus. to any of those parties, you're paying. And for, it's expensive. Yeah. It's and it's San really Francisco. Expensive. Well, now it's San Jose, but it's really expensive. And this was much more affordable to way more people. But I've heard right. a downside. And tell me if this is true. Like the downside I've heard from people in Apple who are now doing all their meetings over like WebEx or FaceTime or whatever it is they use is that previously you'd have physical meetings and you'd have to move between meetings and that gave you a break between the meetings. And like you could go to the bathroom or maybe it was across campus and you had to have 10 minutes to get there. And now it's just, everything is back to back and like you don't have any breaks in between anymore. And there's a certain amount of fatigue, right? There's much more fatigue of being in front of a screen versus talking with people. You can yeah. read them better. You can relax much more you can easily. You get up and walk them to the door, get exactly. coffee. Exactly, if you need to leave for any reason, you can leave much more easily. And uh, there's less, like there's technical problems that can come up as well. We saw people take their Zooms into the bathroom, not realizing it. Oh, you think you're muted and you're not yeah. muted. And so there's all of these other issues that come up when we're dealing with Suddenly technology. you're not on CNN anymore. And uh, I'm dealing with a lot of people that are going through that tech yeah. fatigue that they don't feel relaxed and they can't really enjoy it. But that being said, I think Apple handled, you know, the transition from a live event to a pre-recorded event exceptionally well. Like there's a few pieces that I think they could have done better. I think that some people that were reading through a teleprompter, mm -hmm. it looked like it. You could tell that they were reading. I didn't feel as much of a connection with them. It, it kind of lost me when I could see that they were reading it and trying to be relaxed, but they weren't. But I think that it was also shorter, which was nice. It yeah. was much more concise. They could make sure it was much more polished. Um, I I like a live demonstration. I like the fact that things can go wrong. That adds some excitement like to me. Like Federighi with the face ID? Yeah, that was great. Yeah, or or Elon Musk when he threw the, the metal ball oh, bearing at the glass and it broke or because Steve they Jobs tried it. Hey, Johnny, they're not turning off their wife, their MiFi's. They're not turning off their MiFi's, Johnny. I'm turning this entire event around if you guys yeah. don't. I drive this event right back home if you <laughs> kids don't turn off your MiFi's. We're not doing this. We're not doing this. Yeah. yeah. And so I like those kind of moments because you get to see what yeah. happens. And yeah. I think that that's more interesting. But this way it's much more efficient and probably cost saving for Apple as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. Like the production, I'm sure the production cost on that stuff was high, but nothing near the expense of having to, you know, handle the logistics of, especially five thousand people for or six thousand people for WWDC. Yeah. Uh, the, and it seemed to get better as they went on. Like WWDC was a good show, and they had some amazing transitions. But as they, John Gruber, I was on his podcast earlier in the week, and he likened it to an Apple TV show. And this was like a season of it where right. it started WWDC, and we got an episode in September, an episode in right. October, an episode in November. And like it, they started doing the things like the zooming in on Jeff Williams' watch, or the going through the, like the pool, or like Cayenne was like badging in on the fish tank and the tree. 
and all those things. And the uh, the James Bond case that she was opening and opening and opening. Well, the James Bond case was a little bit lackluster because I was hoping for something else. What? AirTags. You wanted AirTags more than an iPhone mini? Yeah. You monster. I know. It's a mini. I know. It's a baby Yoda of phones. I know. That's what I wanted. Uh, I wanted mm-hmm. that. Uh, yeah, and I thought that was interesting too because, again, usually we would be in the room, we'd be live blogging it or taking notes and then immediately going to a hands-on area and it would be just like a million miles an hour, but now we're just all sitting in our living rooms, most likely in pajamas with you know Charizard slippers mm-hmm. on with a tub of uh, Haagen-Dazs on the side, Perfect. watching the live stream. Uh, it, it was a really different... Do you think people... Do you think it was... What's the right way to say this? Because the event would like... People would hang on more because they'd watch the event and then they'd wait to see what everybody was tweeting or Instagramming from the hands-on area. Yes. Um, and this was different because when the event was over, at first the events were short. Usually the events are about an hour and you have like one or two of them in the fall. We had three events and they were between like 30 minutes and 40 minutes. But when the event was over, like it was over. It was done. And you know that there's no new information that's really coming out. And there's no hands-on. There's no hands-on. Like so Um, nobody could really see the stuff, see the colors, like like beyond what Apple showed. Yeah, so I think that that excitement level was different. And plus we're all probably getting the same information. We're all watching the event. So there isn't any that extra little juicy tidbits that someone's going to come out for. And I think that that changes. I think that also the lack of an audience makes for the interaction with you know Tim Cook or Frederiki when they're going through it, they can't feed off of the audience. Yeah, Craig's jokes. And so, like some of the joke, like some of the stuff comes off, and it's flat, and it, it just doesn't seem like you have the same energy. Like and I his think bow that chicka wow wow with the computer. Bow chicka wow wow. That was wrong. Something like they didn't wow, wow. know that you know maybe don't do that if Craig you don't eyes, remember. He just he deep, opened deep it Craig and he, yeah. He had lovingly looks, but it was the yeah. music, I think, that was like, too, it would have been fine without that music. But he even made his crack marketing jokes, but there was no audience to play off of it. No. And if you're not familiar with the events themselves, like a lot of times people think press are the ones clapping and stuff. And the press sometimes will clap if like it's really impressive to us or it fixes like, like if they announced the butterfly keyboard, everyone in the press would be like clapping. But like quite often they have Apple retail people, like the best Apple retail people get nominated and they get to go to the event and Apple like flies them in. And... They are super Apple fans because they work at Apple Retail, but they do not follow the rumors. Most of them do not follow the rumors at all. So like when Apple announces something like the iPhone 12, for example, typically we're all expecting that. Like we've heard everything about it's going to be squared. It's going to have this or that. They haven't, but they love iPhones. So they're like, oh my God, look at that. It's square. And they like just explode and you get this pulse of energy throughout the room. Yeah, which we lack. And I think that in some of when they were doing the taped Um, presentations, you can tell that the energy changes through it. Some people are very nervous, some people are tired, they might have done, you know, usually it's just one shot, you do it, you're in, you have the energy and you're done. Versus this, you might do, you know, six or seven shots to make sure that you get the right one. And eventually can become a little bit lackluster and you just don't have that same oomph. But also the stress level is different. Like usually you'll go to bed knowing that you have to present and you have one shot to present the next morning. And it's live and how, yes. many, how many millions of people are going to watch it? All the it? millions. All the millions. All the millions. And you have to get up on stage. You've done a lot of public speaking. You have yeah. to get up on stage and perform. Yeah. And in this, like everything is filmed. You've just got to wake up and see how people react in the morning. Yeah, exactly. But it's hard to keep that energy throughout each taping, right? Like the first ones might be more spontaneous and then someone 
critiques, you should do this or you should do that or you forget a word. And then after that, you're just feeling a little bit more. Okay, Craig, this time you're on a bicycle. Give me like on a bike. Okay, now act like a shark is chasing you. Do the exact same scene, but a shark is chasing you. And Craig's just like, what is going on here? <laughs> Steven, Mr. Spielberg, down. <laughs> yeah, so it's different. It's just a different kind of feel to it. And I think that yeah. that came through. But I think Apple did better than most of their other vendors, competitors, companies. Like some of them were really hard to watch. Uh, like Samsung mm -hmm. got better fast. Like their first ones were terrible. Like they had people who were really uncomfortable sitting there literally reading yeah. off the screen, not even looking at us. No, it was really. And, and some of the shots were, you were like, why I think it was Google's one where I'm like why are we doing this like there yeah. was points where you're like why are we here I'm done with this now yeah. please move forward yeah 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 well and some of them just filmed their stage like they got up on stage in an empty room like and you could see like there was no audience and they did like a stage performance which is like filming a play which you can do well but you can't just stick a camera there and film a play it's not the same yeah it's just not the same like yeah. we invented modern filmmaking techniques because they realized you can't just film a play right that's why you have the ability to zoom in and move and skip and pan and do all right. these things it's to make all it in visually the interesting. Yeah. So going into 2021, Giorgio, what do you think um, should Apple just revert, like when mm. it can? Like I don't think any of us will be going back to anything approaching normalcy right. until like June, maybe September. But like, so probably if the Apple does another March event, if they do another WWC, I'm imagining it'll be the same as this year. But come like next September, yeah, depending the year on after that, do you think we'll go back to normal? Do you think we should? Do you think there's a hybrid? Do you think this is the new normal? I, my thought is that it'll be a hybrid. Like my thought would be that why don't you do a sm the smaller event and you just do it like this? You just film it, it's quick and it's easy. And then, you know, WWDC, you do the big live, people get in, they get to be hands-on, they get to deal with it. Like my thought is do a little bit of both and see what people think about it because the world's changed, we can do everything remotely. They did a great job with it and I think that for a lot of people that's more affordable and just easier. But I think people still enjoy being able to get to go and see and do and meet people and to be able to actually touch the product. There's a huge difference between actually touching it and yeah. feeling what it is versus saying it like I remember Lori when we were talking about like you know the um home mini like like the, the size of it is different from seeing it on screen yeah. versus actually holding it this is minute I have tiny little hands this is minute like the size, the of, size a of a softball, softball yeah. right um but you couldn't tell that from the photos and so there's a difference in your reporting when you can actually interact with something versus when you can yeah. and when you can ask questions hands-on and hear others and network what I wonder about too is like there's a lot of events that people just don't see like Last fall, it wasn't just the iPhone event for me, and I don't remember if there was, I think there was an October event as well last year, but we were going to New York like over and over again. There was the 16-inch MacBook Pro, there was the AirPods Pro, and there was a, something else at least. And so like there was a time when like every week I was in a different city, right. and, that's, and that's because they wanted to meet face-to-face. -face. They wanted to let us touch the products. They wanted to demo them for us. They wanted to have us meet with, like, for example, for the Mac, we met with musicians and videographers and photographers and to learn how they use it, developers, and it's hugely informative. But all of those things are, like, again, super expensive. And last year I wasn't paying for it. That was all on Future and Mobile Nation's dime. Right. Um, but, you know, people who, people who were already independent were paying for it, and Apple was certainly paying to move their people around yeah. it to put on these shows. And I wonder if that part is going to come back or if, if this is just a more efficient way for everybody, if you, even if you do lose the in-person thing. It's definitely, you know, more affordable. 
Yeah. And I think that a lot of companies are like, is this investment that we need to have that actually is a benefit versus is it not? Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing that I think people weren't certain about is just what Apple would do in 2020, because especially early on, when I think stress levels and and ignorance in like the classic sense, like none of us knew what was going on. We didn't know what was going to happen. Right. We were all concerned. It's like, can people even launch a phone in 2020? Like, are we all going to be out of work and desperate? Like there were stories that there Could wasn't going to be. afford a phone. Well, yeah. And there were stories like there wouldn't even be food on the shelves. Like there would be mass yeah. shortages. In fa- and, there, and, you know, uh, this is the year of the thousand dollar phone. Can Samsung have an event? Can Apple have an event? Right. And it turned out that part was really normal. Yes. It was a little yes. bit delayed, but it was really normal. It was delayed, slower. There's like production was more difficult, yeah. and I would assume that a lot of people couldn't afford what they usually could afford. But phones, people are still purchasing phones and technology, and especially Xboxes when you're home. There's, you know, you want to be able to connection connect with people, and so having a new set of technology, I think a lot of people were actually still purchasing like the PS5 is still flying off the um, shelves so and the joke was like people were waiting for the stimulus check not so that they could like pay rent or get groceries but so they could buy like a new iPhone or a new Xbox or AirPods or something that's unfortunately very true that was unfortunately very true and if you can still eat that's great but yeah but I mean it's it's interesting do you think the tech companies should have been more conservative, more reserved. They should have focused on less things, on more value conscious things. Or do you think they should have just gone ahead as normal? I think that they should go ahead as normal and then the market ends up deciding whether it works or whether it doesn't work. And we'll kind of see in the next year going forward whether this is sustainable or if it isn't. And it seemed like some people wanted it as a distraction. Like as much as there were vocal people saying, you can't, there's no way you can launch a thousand dollar phone in 2020 with the pandemic and everything else going on. When it came time for it, people seemed desperate for the distraction of just watching and learning and thinking about the thousand dollar phone and not about the pandemic or any of the other dumpster fires that were going on in 2020. It's, it's very, it's, it's like very, escapist. it's exhausting though. It's exhausting to hear of all kinds of horrible, traumatic, difficult events. It's nice to be able to get lost in a little bit of tech. I think that people needed a little bit of a distraction to be, it's just so exhausting to yeah. hear about all of the trauma and the difficulties that everyone is going through. And to hear that news all the time, you become what you consume for our brain as for the food that we eat. So for a lot of people, that was nice to be able to just get lost in some other world for a little bit of time. And it's healthy for us. So. A thousand dollar phone for some was a really good investment for them and their way of connecting with others. And we also saw sort of like as much as I just joked about people being stuck on endless WebExes or Zoom calls for meetings, people also adapted to do like, like my mom is doing her Tai Chi over Zoom now. She used to go to the community center for that. And people were streaming so much Among Us and other video games that really took off and just sort of e-health and e-learning and e-everything. Uh, we became a much more almost jokingly, you know, um, parody worthy, like the last episode of Mythic, Mythic Quest all on Zoom, that it just became such a part of our society. Which I think it's really good that it opens up people that might be sick or might need to learn from home. We now know how to do it. Now people have already gotten their feet wet with technology, even if they hadn't before. And so I think that's wonderful. I think that it also shows the technical divide, though, if you can't afford a phone or a computer, yeah. how that leaves you out. So we've lo- like, we need to make sure that everyone can be a part of that conversation. Yeah, and especially we had so many kids learning from home. Yeah. various degree with the various support of their yes. school systems and yes. not. 
And I think that it's changed the way that we look at whether technology and internet is a utility mm-hmm. or is it not. Is it something that should be for everyone and, you know, the government should take care of it just like, well, for here, for water or yeah. electricity or heating. Well, that's electricity. But, you know, that is one of yeah. the things that we need to look at because I don't think that it's fair that the people that have enough money to be able to afford that can yeah. And then other people are left behind be- because they can't. Because well, it does change what you can do. Yeah, I think there's two aspects to that. Like with the Industrial Revolution, like electricity came to everybody. You still have to pay an electric bill, but there's no question about, you know, unless you're in a really rural area or you're breaking ground on an area that wasn't previously developed, almost everyone has access to electricity. Like it's available to them. In the first world, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's not necessarily true of internet. No. Or the quality of it. Or the no. Or the manner Even in, which, in the first world. Or the manner in which it is divvied out yeah. and the cost of that yeah. and the way that it's charged to people. I think that, that people are looking at that and we need to kind of change the manner in 5G which we deal with it. 5G will solve everything, George. It's all 5G. 5G, 5G, 5G. If nothing else, the September Apple event told me it was 5G, 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 5G. I've now said it one one hundredth as often as Verizon said it during the September event. 5G. Make it a thing. 5G. So one of the ways that I was particularly impressed with e-learning this year was today's sponsor. We have a sponsor today. We have a sponsor. I'm so excited. Yeah. It's our first sponsor. I know that we're not supposed to be all excited about this. You can be excited. I'm so excited. Milestone. Milestone achie- achievement unlocked. Thank you so very much for sponsoring the show. Please support them because they supported us. <laughs> <laughs> and it's brilliant. <laughs> Yay. Brilliant.org slash Apple Talk. And what I love about Brilliant is that it's not like learning as drudgery, as like work, as like something you don't want to do. They make it fun by making it into puzzles, like with storylines, with, with like, for example, the, one of the big things that they're working on now is neural networking. So cool. And that is the foundation for everything. Like a lot of stuff we talk about on this show involves like machine learning and algorithms and you know, how they're used for computational photography or computational audio or like what YouTube video you're going to be shown next, just so much, what song music you're going to be recommended next, just all these things. And I don't think it's always obvious how that stuff works, but Brilliant has a course where they just take you through everything and they do it through like games, like the key, you lost your keys in your room. Like you just did not clean your room, your keys are lost in there, but you have these colored tiles that'll light up based on how good your guesses are. And it shows you how you train neural networks to make those sorts of guesses and find your keys with very little information, but increasingly quickly. And they have another one that shows how, like Scribble on the Apple Watch, one of my favorite features. And now it's on the iPad. You just do your handwriting about how that kind of handwriting recognition works. Amazing. Because it's not just like, a shape because everybody like your letters are different than my letters and it's got to represent it's got to recognize what the letter b is not a specific formation of the letter b and they show you just how that stuff works and it's endlessly fascinating and you can learn all that and you can learn math and computer science and and now a lot of people are spending their time now that they're at home and have more time to be able to learn better their knowledge this is a wonderful way to do it absolutely and the cool thing is, like, you can sign up for free. You can check out all the free stuff. But the first 200 people who use the link in the description who go to brilliant.org slash Apple Talk can get 20% off the premium version, which is just everything. It is like an infinitude, a multitude of brilliance, of brilliant learning. 
And really, like if you want to level up in 2021, Brilliant is absolutely the way to do it. And we really appreciate there and, and all of your support. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Brilliant. Thank you, Brilliant. Thank you, everybody. So, Georgia, I heard a rumor. Did you hear a rumor? I heard that you started a YouTube channel. I, I did. Like, I, I, it's there. There's it's, a YouTube channel. There's a YouTube channel with your face on it. I know. It's yeah. So... I might have started the rumor. You might have helped me with the entire process of this. And there was a lot of questions about other people that are wanting to start up their channels. So we thought we would go through what it was like, my yeah, feelings, what, your feelings, what well, do you first, do? Well, first, why are you starting a YouTube channel? Because I think a lot of people dither about... About starting yeah. it. I, well, I think that I probably should have started a long time ago. Um, the and same way. I know, I know. Someone Only told someone had told me. I know. Um, and I think that for me, even though I do this a lot, it was scary. Like there's a certain amount of like a fear of failure. Um, two, two things that were, that stall me in this process was one is that I know a whole bunch of fabulous YouTubers and, um, she means Justine. Yeah. Well, that's, that's like a level above, um, that do amazing jobs. And so it's a hard thing. And plus I usually do it with someone else. And this one, I'm going to be doing just mostly videos that will be myself and in my field of psychology and my reactions to different stuff that's out there. And so the fear of failure was one of those. And that's the fear of not having it, you know, work out the way that you hope. Like you think about how you want it to be. And when you first start something, it's not going to be that good. But you're telling me why it took you a while to start, not yes. why you started. Well, I think that I, I got over that. <laughs> I was like, let's just do it. I'm okay. just going to do it. I would love to. I'm excited to do it. I think that the time was right. I have more time on my hands right now. And it's one of these fun things that I enjoy doing things on video. It was that or I was going to write a book. And I hate writing. I'm, <laughs> I'm mildly dyslexic, um, undiagnosed, but probably am dyslexic. So I, my writing skills are horrific mm -hmm. and it's painstaking. If you see any of my IMR articles, they're just painstaking. It's, it's not a smooth process. I, I really, I'm so sorry. Renee. No, they were fine. You had to help me edit they my were thesis fine. too. Yeah, oh, no, it's all fine. poor you. Um, I love that you say that. You're so kind. It's all fine. No, it was um, good. Lies. It was, it was thesisific. Thesis right. Um, and I love talking on video and that's a lot of fun for me. So I also think that it would be enjoyable. I think that it can help a lot of people. A lot of people right now are struggling. And so they could go to these videos and they can be helpful and we can go through different things. Like and a resource. Of, yeah. Like having like a minute a day to like 365 days to like your health. Yeah. And so that people can be better. And I love helping people through that process. And I think I could help more people that way as well. So it's kind of exciting, um, though I'm scared and nervous. And it's an interesting process. And it takes, like, if you're not familiar, you have to have 100 subscribers for at least a month, along with some other basic things, like you have to have an avatar and you have to have channel art up before you can get your own name, like a properly custom vanity like, URL. Like, like it's yours. Well, no, like right now, it's like I, I, yours is like... YouTube.com slash channel 039F. Like it's like a bunch of garbage characters, right. like, like pseudo random characters. Right. And like mine is YouTube.com slash Renee Ritchie. Yeah. But to get just making like, me feel bad. No, but to get that, I think a lot of people <laughs> don't know that. Like, like, no, like they you don't. can't just go in and like take whatever name you want because right. otherwise people would be squatting or, or spamming or right. doing all these things. And it's so sweet. It's so sweet. There's a whole bunch of people that have subscribed to help me get there. 
Um, which is one of the things that I'm very lucky. Like, thank you, Renee, and thank well, everyone. So the only that reason I was saying that is that you, people can't right now go and see, and go to like YouTube.com/slash Georgia Dow because no, you can't. you've got there the subscribers, no but you still have to wait a month. Yes. To get which uh, it has not been yet. No, it's, it's been, been like, like two, weeks. two weeks. But like. Thank you. Thank you to everyone that actually subscribed. There's no like there's almost there's no videos. There's nothing no. there yet. Yet people supported just so that I could get to that point in another but I think that's one of the things so. people don't realize. Yeah. So like we can't like we'll put a link in the description to where the channel is if you want to find it. But in the beginning like you don't even have an easy way to point people there. No, and you have to build up those subscribers and so it ends up being kind of the carts pushing the horse. Yeah. Yeah, it's like how do you do it? And then if you want to be a YouTube partner, which means that you can run ads on the videos, which is one way that people, you know, make a living doing YouTube. Right. Uh, it's only part of the way because I don't think very few people can actually make a living off doing that. It's not as much as you would think it would be. But then you need a thousand subscribers and four thousand hours of watched video. So you can't like not have videos. You have to have four thousand hours. And like Apple Talk is what is this episode eleven or twelve? Yeah. And we have over a thousand subscribers, but I think we're just approaching four thousand hours of watch right. time. On so this when you watch and subscribe, it actually matters to the people that are on the channels those numbers especially when you're starting out yeah. once you're big it's it's a different story yeah. but when you're first starting if there's someone that's just starting out and you support them it's huge you know if you just want to leave the video running in the background because <laughs> you don't want because YouTube is also like they have a whole bunch of algorithms of that they're checking out not just well yeah so like if someone subscribes but doesn't watch your video it's bad because they think that subscribers aren't interested in the videos anymore so they stop showing them to subscribers so what do you mean by when when you're saying stop showing them that means they don't promote so, as much yeah so I mean like it's not YouTube's job to find an audience for your video it's your job to make a video that YouTube can serve to its audience because all YouTube wants is for people to stay on YouTube watching videos for as long as possible. Yeah, so they want them they want videos that people will click on. They want people to watch that video and then keep watching more videos. And right. the more you can do that, the more you can make a video that compels people to click on it that's interesting and is 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 interesting enough that it retains that like retention time. People keep watching it and then go watch another video the happier YouTube is. And I think people get upset they're like why isn't YouTube promoting my video? And it's like YouTube has a gazillion videos there is nothing and there's nothing there's no reason for YouTube to promote your video YouTube is going to promote the video that gives them the best response right so one of the ways that people do that uh, it's called niching down which I hate the word but like I fell into this by just by happenstance because I only talk about Apple like my entire career for 10 years I've been I've been uh, covering Apple so I made a YouTube channel it was all about Apple um, and it's fine to have a channel that's about several things if you have millions of subscribers. Right. But the problem in the beginning is if you do a, a YouTube channel and it's got like three or four different subjects, people will subscribe to one of those. But if you put up a video on a different subject, it doesn't interest them so they won't watch it and YouTube will think your subscribers aren't interested in the videos. Right. And so then they'll downgrade your... Well, they'll always show it, but the fewer people that click on it, the less they'll show it. They'll promote videos mm -hmm. that get clicked on the, more, the most. And if even your subscribers aren't clicking on it, that's a signal to YouTube. But like I think you have the same advantage because you're doing psychology and yes there's a ton of niches inside like I'm sure there's like couples and there's like anxiety and stress and depression and all well, these there's different There's like also self-help and then there's yeah. reactions to that and then there's education to that like there's different areas which then could cause me issues as I go well, along. Well, no, but I think if someone is subscribing for psychology and they get a video that's on psychology at least they it's it's fulfilling that expectational debt. If like you did one video, two videos on psychology and then did one on circus tricks, right. they would see it pop up and go, I didn't sign up for this. Yes, plus I'm a really bad juggler. 
Well, same thing for me. Like people keep saying, why don't you cover Android? And like one, I'm not good at it. But two, people signed up for Apple. And if an Android video pops up, like three people will click on it and YouTube will think they're not interested in my videos. Right. And then the cost that you pay from that is yeah. what happens? Like, to Well, if it happens a lot, like it's also like if people just subscribe without watching the videos, YouTube again takes that as a signal that your videos aren't that interesting. And then what happens though? People like, get shown, you're, like people have the chance. Like, so a lot of people just think that if you subscribe, you get shown the videos. And that used to be how it works, but it doesn't. YouTube doesn't show all your subscribers the videos. They don't even notify them. Even hmm. if you like click the bell that says I want all notifications, I don't even think they actually do that. Hmm. And most people don't, there's a subscription tab in YouTube and like especially people on Twitter or like tech nerds will say, I don't understand people's problems. I just go to my subscription tab and all the videos are there. But most people don't do that. Like 90% of people just go to the YouTube homepage. Right, that's um, what I do. Or they see it in a sidebar to another video they're already watching. And your job, your goal is to appear there. That's where you get most of your views from. You get very, 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 I can't stress this enough, very few views from subscribe uh, feed on Twitter. It's like a, per, a small percentage of your subscribers. Hmm. So it really, it's important to make videos that people find interesting and are willing to watch. And the best way to do that is to all, if you get someone to subscribe, if they're willing to do that, to always give them a video they're going to want to watch. Right. And to have that be, you know, an even amount of time in between so that they're able to know that there's going to be another video. Because also with people, if we expect something and it doesn't happen enough times, we could find it somewhere else. So that depends. That depends on, like, if you're doing um, CNN or, like, one of the big news channels, Al Jazeera, CBC, one of those, people just expect daily videos. So YouTube will only give you three video notifications a day. If you put out huh. more than three videos, they will not notify people anymore. And that's a problem if you don't usually put out three videos a day. Because then, like, I did, I made this mistake on one of the event days. I put out a fourth video and almost nobody watched it because there was no notification for it. Oh. Um, but if you're like CNN or Al Jazeera or CBC or BBC or something, you've got 12 videos a day. And people, people aren't going there for any particular video. They just are going to go to CNN to see what the next video is. Like what, what, what is newsy for the day. Right. Um, if you do one video every day, if you're like a Philip DeFranco or you're, just like you're, do, you're making sure you have that habit, then yes, people expect that video every day. But if you put out one video a week or you like Mark Rober and put out one video, Mark Rober, Mark Rober, put out one video a month, People don't know what day you're putting out. The, like they don't really remember. There's too much going on in their lives. So then it depends again. Then you you want to show up in their homepage again because like when is Mark Rober's Squirrel um, Squirrel Gymnasium Part Two coming out? Right. I have no Sparkle. idea. Yeah. yeah, or the or the Glitter Bomb Part glitter Four. Glitter Bomb Part Four. No when idea. Is that coming out? So I'm just depending on YouTube showing me when it's out. Right. Whereas the shows that I watch daily, like the news shows, I know that if I go at 6 p.m., like all five of them or whatever will be there. Right. Right, exactly. So what would be your advice, Renee, for people that would like to start a YouTube channel and they're just starting out, they have no equipment or just the basic equipment, what would you say? Because it's hard, like, I'm really lucky in that, like, I know you, so I can ask, I Renugal, I ask Renee. Renee's been really, you know, like, as everyone thinks that Renee's the kindest person. He actually is the kindest person, um, but you know true. he can't he can't help all of you <laughs> to start out the thing. So if you were giving people advice for when they're starting out, they don't have their own Renee. What would you what would you say to them? Are you blushing? Renee's actually blushing. No, I'm a Canadian. Bit. I don't blush. I melt. <laughs> 
it's like the it's like the Wicked Witch at the right, end of right. Um, what would you say? Yeah, so like you don't need a lot of equipment. Like if you're a gearhead, maybe you have it. Like if you're into that stuff, but a lot of people just start off with their phones. I mean, like the classic example is I think like Mr. Beast, who now is like huge, yeah, enormous, just used his phone for a long time. Yeah, and if it's compelling, you're doing something that you enjoy. Yeah, well, I think even like the important thing is like to start. Like you're gonna do a hundred. And a lot of this, like everyone looks at Marquez or they look at Justine or they look at Mr. Beast or they look at PewDiePie or look at somebody and they did hundreds and hundreds of videos that nobody watched. Yes. Like I forget what the average time was, but they did hundreds of videos. And you'll see like if you go back and you sort their channel by oldest first, um, now they've got a lot of views on those. But if you look at like, oh, I've got my hundred subscribers, it's a whole bunch of videos in. Yeah. And that's still true. There are always the examples that everybody sees that people who blow up you know, like they live in their van or they, they do something. Yes. There are some cases of people that it's huge yeah. immediately. But for most people, yeah. even some of the most famous people, the first videos are not great. There's not great sound quality. There's not great video quality. Or they quality. just don't have their voice yet. Yeah. Or, or people don't know they about don't them. They don't know. But you're learning, right? Yes. You're going to be getting better at this skill the more that you do it. And your later videos will be better than your first videos. You have to kind of keep at it. Yeah. But it's a hard thing when you get whatever... Two well, people have watched your video well, no, and one of them's your mom. Like it's the Olympics and you want a gold medal. And you're going to have to train. It's going to take a long time to get that gold medal. And some people may be more naturally gifted than others, just athletically. Some people have better access to coaches or they might be in countries that support those programs better. There's all these different factors, but ultimately it's the work that you put into it. And you could, like... You could just be genetically running a hundred yard, hundred yard dash in under eight seconds. Like that could just right. be you. But you could be someone who's at nine seconds. It's going to take you a year or two years of training to get right. to that level. Um, but if you don't start doing it, you'll never, you never get there. You'll never right? get there. You miss a hundred percent of the shots you yes. don't take. Yeah. It's funny because when I I was a teacher before, I was a therapist, and when I just I got my teaching degree, blah blah blah, I got this job, and then I was like. You know, I'm like, I went in to become a therapist just as a lark to see if I'd get in. It was like two weeks before the due date. Anyways, and I was like, the reason that I knew I wanted to make that jump is that even if I had one client, I thought I would be happier doing that than teaching, though I love teaching. It was a wonderful job. Um, and so I knew that I would enjoy it even if I didn't, mm. if I wasn't able to sustain myself with it. Like I'd be able to eat, but that would be about it. And I was okay with that. So if you can enjoy the process that it might be kind of a long road ahead, then go ahead. If yeah. you are hoping just for the fame and fortune, then this might not be the right reason or way to do it because that is not a guarantee and it's hard. It's hard work. Yeah. Like, Well, we talked about this. Like when I first started at iMore, yeah. um, it was really hard to find other people to work there because anybody, and I think YouTube is the same, anybody can make one thing. Like you can make one video, one article. That part is easy. To be able to do 10 articles, 10 videos in a day, and maybe videos a bit, or like in a week, you know, that takes more work to be able yeah. to do it consistently. So if you can do something, you can do it well, and you can do it consistently over time, that's rare. That's the sort of thing that makes the difference. Uh, because like just making one video is not gonna do it. Even if it's one good video, it's being able to like every day do it or every week do it. Whatever schedule is right for you, it's the consistency of putting that out. That's what pays off over time. That's what builds. First, YouTube has to learn about your video. So 
when you start making videos on YouTube, it tries to understand what people will watch it. And it takes cues off the words, like if it's iPhone review, people who like the iPhone are probably gonna watch it. And the more videos you make, the more data YouTube has to figure out who they should show your videos to, but also you get better at making those videos. Yes. You get better at understanding your audiences. You see the videos that they respond to and the ones they don't respond to. and. It's You're sort of getting a, a better algorithm yes. as well from all the data that comes in. Yes. Machine learning yeah, in the human form. All of those things, but you have to be willing to do it. And if you stop as soon as it gets hard, you're never going to power through that. And that's the thing is that there is that plateau, yeah. right? Like the first when you first start something, usually there's a nice straight learning curve and things are getting better. And that's very exciting. But then there's this plateau of my video or it goes down a little bit. Like that can happen and you have to kind of keep plodding along yeah. before you find your footing. And you want to be able to enjoy the process of learning. Like the people, I believe that the people that are best at anything, they enjoy the process more than that end result. If you're going for that extrinsic end mm -hmm. result, the chances of you being able to sustain that difficulty of the climb becomes really difficult. But if yeah. you can enjoy every single step of the process, even the ones that are horrible and unpleasant, then you can kind of keep on going and that's self-fulfilling and self-sustaining. Uh, like the thing is, I like making videos way more than I ever thought I would. Like I always wrote, I always did things, but I like actually editing the videos and composing the story in the editor and I like color grading and I like learning about lighting and I love all parts of this. And that's been important because as Apple was doing events over the year, my channel was just growing. Like right. everything was green. It was like up 100%, up 115%, more views, more everything. And YouTube always shows you by default the last 28 days. So it was just up and up. And then we got to 28 days after the last event and it was just red, like red all the <laughs> way down. What does red mean? What does down, red mean? it means down, like fewer views, fewer less, subscribers. Less of everything. Yeah, way less of everything. And it's been like that, you know, going up because there's no big Apple event coming up and, and there won't be for a few months. And if all it was for me was like, oh look, I'm gaining subscribers. Oh look, I'm gaining right. views. Look at how green this is. I'm growing, I'm accelerating. The minute I hit that red, it would have been hitting a wall. Right. Though it's still painful in experience. Oh, super painful. And all you see like the biggest YouTubers, like I, I see sometimes we have different chat groups going on and you'll see some of the biggest people say, oh my God, it's all red. Uh, YouTube also shows you your latest video, whether it's like one out of 10, which is like the best video you've had in the last 10 videos, or 10 out of 10, the worst video you've had. And like I had a bunch of one and two and three out of 10s, and now I've had a bunch of like five and six and nine and 10 out of 10. <laughs> and man, it hurts every time. But everyone says that. It's like you see like really big YouTubers going, oh man, nine out of 10, 10 out of 10. Right, you're only as good as your last video. Yeah. Yeah, well, we have to do imposter syndrome on one show. We don't have time for it today. Oh. But like, it's, I have this pet theory that you're either a raging narcissist or you have imposter syndrome. <laughs> and there's very little room in between. You're one or the other. Yeah. You're one or the other. Yeah. yeah. Which um, are you? Yeah. But, so I'm excited for this, Georgia. And when are, you, when are you thinking you're gonna start making videos? Okay, so like when we're dealing with all of the video things, I would like it to have a nice production value. So we're putting up sound paneling onto my, my little tiny wall. We're um, grabbing a microphone, which we're hoping today is Saturday. So we're hoping that that is gonna be here on Monday and I can get it set up. And so I'm hoping that I start shooting videos um, right after that. So I'm thinking like two days of setting it up and awesome. then Thursday I start, you know, just making videos and hopefully they're um, palatable enough 
for people to watch them and I'll get better at it and hopefully you can uh, watch that journey as it goes through. Awesome. So, yeah. You can, you can listen to this show. We'll break your minds and souls and you can go to George's channel to be put back together again. <laughs> right. Or to be crushed with, oh, goodness, Georgia. But, uh, you know, let me know. I'll make it better. And if you have any questions about YouTube, because I've spent the last, like, two years trying to figure out how YouTube works, like the way I try right. to figure out how Apple works. And it's it's a lot. Like, it is really a lot. It, it's a lot that you might not know underneath no. the surface of yeah. how to be able to do it. So just comment, and we'll yeah. take a look. And, and the one other thing I'll add is that everyone on Twitter is a, ma a majority in their eyes. Like, no matter how fringe your view is, you always think yourself as a majority. Right. And I see a lot of really kind, well-intentioned people telling like YouTubers and bloggers and podcasters how they should be doing their podcasts and their videos and their articles. And if you're a data scientist or you're like, you've got tons of experience, that's fantastic. But it's, it's really, I don't know what the word for it is, but like when you tell someone who spent like the last year of their life working on this that, you know, I'm representative of your audience and you should just make all your thumbnails purple because purple is the best color. Everyone will click on it. Just maybe don't. <laughs> <laughs> you see, I'm totally okay with that because I'm fine with just knowing that I'm happy that you like purple, but purple doesn't work for everyone yeah. and that's all right. But it is true. People think that you, whatever is your rule book is everyone else's rule book yeah. and that they, their thought, pro everyone goes by that same way, but we're all so very but it's different. damaging. It's damaging in a way that I'll explain really quickly. And that is a lot of tech creators do have imposter syndrome. And when they get feedback from tech Twitter telling them, you know, don't do this on your thumbnails, don't do that, this feedback, they take it and it's bad for them. It is so bad for them because YouTube is not a tech audience. Sure, like there's a lot of tech people that watch it, but YouTube is a massively, it is the second biggest search engine in the world and it, it's like one of the biggest video services and it's 80 to 90% not tech people, mainstream people. Hmm. Uh, and there's a lot of people who are YouTube native. Like the people giving the advice are usually older tech nerds who believe that like a lot of this YouTube stuff is just unseemly. You know, the same way that they thought that bloggers were unseemly and like, the, like I get my advice from the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, these bloggers, I don't know what they're doing. They don't even have proper indentation on their paragraphs. You know, like, there's a lot of that. And if you take that in, you will make decisions based on what you think hypercritical tech Twitter person does instead of what's best for your channel, which is to be YouTube native and to be like appealing to that 80%, 90% majority. And I've seen people really hurt their channels because they get almost like ashamed that tech Twitter is not happy with them. It's a hard thing. It's yeah. a hard thing. We should talk also about that dealing with the criticism of the outside world and how that affects us at a leadership. Yeah, yeah. Because no. it's true. It, it can... It can hurt. And if you haven't already, please, if you're watching this, especially like on Apple Podcasts or on YouTube, just subscribe, leave a comment, leave a review. It just signals to the algorithms, the powers now that, that you be. understand the algorithm, yes. you know why we need you. That you like the content, that you're engaged with the content. Yes, that it's um, good. Yeah, and it, it just- Make it, your friends subscribe. It gets them to promote us more. No, only if they're gonna watch. <laughs> oh, that's true. Make them watch and yes. make them subscribe. make them subscribe, then make them make watch. Make them watch, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, so if you subscribe to Nebula, uh, if you are watching us on Nebula, stay tuned because we still have our additional topic. Uh, and if you aren't already, please go over to Nebula. There's just a ton of really good deals going on. We'll have some links to them uh, in our various descriptions. But in the meantime, if you are leaving us now, Georgia, where can people find you? You can uh, send me an email. It's uh, Georgia at westmounttherapy.com. There's anxiety-videos.com. And on Twitter, it's Georgia underscore Dow. For you, Renee? You can find me at Renee Ritchie on 
Twitter, on YouTube, on Instagram again because I went back to Instagram. I don't, I don't use. So the thing, my new thing now, and this is another tangent, is I haven't used the like button on Twitter for like five years because I found out like you can't delete likes oh. on Twitter, oh. um, and I don't want to give Twitter that data. And I used to like things on Instagram, but I'm stopping doing that now too. But that makes it like not really useful. So I'm, like, I'm just also confused now. We'll do that in another show. Yeah. Another topic. And oh, you can subscribe to my channel. Yes. There's a link. I don't even channel. know what it is. I'll I don't put a know link how to in the end. It. I'll put a link in the end card on the video, know. and I'll put a link in the description, and then you can go to it. Yeah. Subscribe. Subscribe. Like and subscribe. Like Smash and subscribe. that like button, 2020 style. It matters. Yes. Hit that bell, dingus.